1: And welcome into another edition of Spits and Suds. Good afternoon, everybody. I am Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan and joined by EP Ringside and ChapShot's Sean Shapiro. And great news, we had a record week here on Spits and Suds. Uh, must be because we are non-cheerleaders, my friend.
0: <laughs> How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm enjoying uh, enjoying the Friday. I'm uh... We've got a week until the trade deadline, and roughly uh, at this time uh, next week, we can all sleep a little bit easier and not uh, worry about rushing to our phones every time it buzzes because something may have happened.
1: Yeah, so let's get right into it. Um, You had uh, some good uh, Twitter viral attention because you made the call, got in touch with Jim Nell, and bring us the latest as far as the big news that you had. Um, yep. That is on Shap Shots as well as you put it out on Twitter, is that first-round draft picks he will not give up uh, for expiring rental contracts.
0: Yes, and so it's, it's it's obviously not the most stunning news in the world that that Jim Nill is going to be careful about protecting his assets, but it is. I, I think it's an important context that we haven't really had out there on the record properly because a lot of times people would talk about the the stars and Patrick Kane and the stars and and this and this player or anything like that and the reality is at the end of the day Jim Neal was never willing to really spend the price that it will cost someone to get Patrick Kane. The the fact of the matter is and so to me it was important when I was reporting out this piece and talking and speaking to Jim just okay the rental market, where, where do you look at what's available? And Jim, in those no uncertain terms, essentially said, like he said on the record, there's not use a first round pick on a rental. He was also, he was also key to point out and I'll get the exact, to make sure I have the, the line exactly too. He says, yeah, I also asked him like, okay, so what about futures assets and, and prospects? Cause the stars obviously have a pretty good prospect pool right now. You have a position of surplus almost for the first time in a long time. And, um, Jim essentially said, I've got four or five guys who are our entire team that we've put time into, and I think they're all going to play and be longtime Dallas Stars. Are they completely untouchable? No. But the price is very, very high, and for a rental, untouchable. I'm not going to give up a young player that I think is going to play for, next, for the next five to seven years, especially with their current entry-level contracts and a tight-cap system. They are too valuable. So huh. you've got the... First-round pick, which Dallas didn't have a 2023, but you could trade a 2024 or 2025 or even a 2026 if you want to be super far down the line. So the Stars aren't good. He's not trading first-round picks. He's not trading from that list of the top prospects for a rental. Um, And that list, and while Jim would not give me what that list is, using an educated guess, that list is, I know Wyatt Johnson's on the NHL roster already, but we're going to include him. Um, Logan Stankoven, Thomas Harley, Maverick Bork, and Liam Mitchell, who is the uh, young Swiss defenseman who is getting uh, who's been very good, and they used a first round pick on. So um, those guys aren't getting moved at the deadline for a rental. Now, could there be uh, for a piece, a player with term? Obviously, that makes it a different scenario, but it gives us a better idea of how the Stars look at and how Jim Nill looks at where this team is. And what he's willing to spend, because he looks at um, drafting, not drafting, sorry, trading for Nils Lundqvist this past summer, as he looks at the reason he was willing to spend a first-round pick on Lundqvist is because he felt like I was just going to draft a player like Lundqvist anyway, and uh, and I basically sped up the timeline on it. So that's the only type of player that Jim is willing to use a first-round pick on, and some of these other high-level assets. Uh, And it's an important context for us to add through all of this because a week from the deadline, the stars do need, you and I have talked, the stars definitely need to do some shopping and they need to be be active and listening in the market. But it also tells us that unless something really comes into play, and we're talking a big move that changes for something with term, it's going to be hard to see the stars really – Doing much of anything, just, just just honestly, just kind of reading between the lines on Nil's on, on words, because a rental forward is gonna cost, especially if you close to the deadline, and you as as guys start coming off the board, the price is gonna be high. A, a defenseman is gonna be Pulling off the trade for the defenseman with term is gonna be interesting, but I don't know if the stars are gonna be have the appetite for that now because Jim also talked a little bit about setting stuff up for the summer. So it's it's an interesting space and it just gives us a much better idea for what the stars should do. And I wanna throw this back to you, Gavin, because I see I, I put the story out and I see some people tweet and tweeting and things like that. And I see some people who got incredibly um disappointed or and I and fan is short for fanatic, so I, I love that, and I I, I love the passion on and everything like that. But it was I want to throw it to you, Gavin, to just kind of tee up the fact for people are like, well, why why wouldn't they want Patrick Kane? Why wouldn't why wouldn't they be willing to pay the price for Patrick Kane? And I know that's a very and it's obviously fresh in people's mind what Patrick Kane yeah. can do after what happened the other night. I want to throw it back to you on uh, when you look at this balance of avoiding the down cycle, avoiding. and and finding the right fit. And I just wanted to throw it to you to kind of take us from there on. When it comes to Kane, when it comes to a piece like that, where's the line?
1: So that's very interesting. I tweeted the other day during the game that I feel as though Patrick Kane is a great piece that would improve. I just, I don't think that necessarily guarantees a cup run though with the way they're playing. I feel as though, Due to the recent woes, and I know it can turn around at any time, but I'm seeing multiple places that need to be filled. So for that, I'm not saying they're not a cup contender. What I am saying is is that I think it's going to take multiple chips. And one chip and mortgaging your future, um, I think, would make Stars fans happy on the short term. However, long term, I think... I just know that there's enough hype and you watch enough tape on these guys. granted, it's not guaranteed, but I mean, we're looking at a really good piece in Stankoven. Maverick Bork has shown tremendous improvement this year at Texas, especially in the back half. Um, we desperately need a large defenseman who can handle the puck and Bishop handle you know that's that's yeah. him. So I know all these pieces are young. I'm not saying they're going to all work out. But personally, I'm at the point where for the first time in a while, maybe I guess maybe since Robertson not injured, you knew these were strong pieces. Yeah. And if we look back, there was sentiment among Stars fans at the time that, that make moves. Remember, Jim Nill wasn't making moves at that time. And a lot of people were like, Jim Nil likes this team. Well, he probably did like the pro team, but at the same time, he didn't want to give up those pieces. Imagine the frustration of Stars fans if we had given up uh, a Robertson or an Ottinger and people can say, well, you know, I mean, obviously new. Well, Vegas didn't know Nick Suzuki. You know, I mean, if they had to take Nick Suzuki back, they certainly would. And that's where you have to be careful because Vegas is one of those teams you and I have talked about that they're all in. And when you're all in, that's awesome for the fan base. But long term, I'm not sure it's the play. So that kind of got me thinking. And I was like, Sean's right. Jacob Chikrin is the piece. And why he's the piece is he improves the team immediately. I think the other night we clearly saw that this team needs a quarterback. That's not a knock against Miro Haskinen, but we have to be realistic that he has not, uh, in my opinion, filled that void of John Klingberg. He fills it in other ways. He's a tremendous defenseman, but I think we need, you know, a top-tier defenseman where he comes on the ice in the power play. And, you know, he's not only the quarterback, but he's a threat at the blue line. And so with two years left, uh, you know, that is great, and at only $4.5 million, that's even better. So I really like what you're saying about Chikrin. I think in the case of Van Riemsdyk for Philadelphia, you're right. The asking price will probably be higher more than the value, but maybe you throw a future second and third, and maybe they bite at the last second if no one's taking them. But, you know, it's come down to – I I don't know unless Jim Nil makes the Chikrin splash, if he can please Stars fans, because yeah. – I mean, we, we saw we've seen it in the past, you know, in the past few weeks with the haul that these teams are getting uh, for these pieces. And I wanted to ask you yesterday, because the Bruins yeah. made a big splash yeah. and they gave up some good assets. So, you know, they're all in and rightfully so with an aging Bergeron and an aging Marchand and an aging coil, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, I just think, you know, this team has a big future ahead, and that's why I'm kind of like, i got to go with nil on this. Stay the course, and if you can pick up a a piece or two, great, but don't mortgage your future.
0: Yeah, the one that would be interesting to me, and I think from a forward perspective, and it's not just because of his recent, I mean, obviously he and Patrick Kane combined to kill the Stars on Wednesday night, but I would be curious to see, um, where the market falls on Max Domi when you when you're talking yeah. about, when you when you're talking about a rental space and I I, I I don't think Max Domi is going to net a first round pick or a top prospect. but I think it's something where he's also someone to me where I look at Domi and I know he's I think he's twenty seven. He is twenty seven. I looked yeah. it up the other so, night. So so he's someone who I would be curious about. Is that the space where you can look at from a rental perspective of Second, third round range, maybe a B list prospect, but someone who, frankly, you could resign. Someone yeah. who is at 27; he's not beat. the thing. The interesting thing, the thing about Patrick Kane is this doesn't usually happen in hockey, but with Patrick Kane, I could actually see it happening, where a guy goes somewhere and then actually goes back somewhere. It very rarely happens in the NHL, where but Patrick Kane has talked a lot about how he's going to pick his. Pick his destination, really loves his family life in Chicago and everything like that. Like Patrick Kane, I think, is the purest of pure rentals for whatever team it is. He's going to it would not surprise me if he ends back up in Chicago just because of that. So I would be interested in Domi. Like I've I've, I've, I've spoken my piece on Chikrin. I think he would be such an asset to this team to add a place either whether it's either with Haishkinen or on a second pair where you have them going over the boards for each other. Like I think it would be such a great fit. And I, I was laughing at something the other day, because I've, I've seen some, or today even, I saw a couple of people on Twitter who were like, well, who do you take out of the lineup? We, like, that's a problem, like, this is a problem that's wonderful to have. Yeah. You're for Jacob Chitrin, and, you're, and all of a sudden you're worrying about who to take out of the lineup? I'm thrilled with that. Right. Like, I don't really, like, this is a guy who, I think Colin Miller has been, for what he's done, he's been great. He's yep. completely outperformed his station, and that's great. But... If you're telling me I can either have Jacob Chitren or Kyle Miller playing with Miro or in the top four, it's a no-brainer. For like the key is to put the best team on the ice. The key is to, the key is to make all of that fit, and then you figure it out, and then you figure out the, the fallout if you have to. But this team, I look at it that way. You, there are some steps this team needs to take. I think there is a space. There's a player out there in Chitrin who you can add right away, who can help take those steps, and I think you have to remember, it's okay to be part of a... The Stars are in kind of a nice window part where you can look to try to win this year because you're in the West. The Stars still have a chance. Like That's, yeah. that's the thing where it's like, I think pe- like people are like, God, like, oh, this team has no chance. If this team was in the East, you'd be like, okay, you know what? Are the are you going to be able to beat Carolina, Boston, and Tampa three series in a row? I don't think so, but you don't have to beat those team threes. All the Stars have to do is they have to emerge from a wide-open Western Conference, and then you have to win four games out of seven against the Eastern team. The Stars can do that. The Stars can win the Stanley Cup because they are in the West. So if you're Dallas, and if you're Jim Nill, you have that chance to win a cup this year. You do. But you also have a chance to... You may even be be an even better team next year as well as when you have a Logan St. Coven come in on an entry-level contract. So I think... The key, and it's it's kind of this patience thing, like, am I going to pick Dallas to win the cup this spring? No. But if they won the cup, would I be stunned? No. I, I think that's not a bad spot to win. Right. And we had this big, big talk, uh, obviously, about the nature of this market earlier really, this week, right? And I think there's, there's something that we have to kind of establish because people will – a lot of the people who listen to this show are hockey fans, and I know they're the people that will follow the team through thick and thin no matter what. And so this really isn't for those the people. But at the end of the day, in a market like Dallas, you're not allowed to rebuild. Like I, I And so, like, for example, the you're not allowed to rebuild because you fall off the face of relevancy. All of a sudden, any momentum you have disappears. So Jim Nill doesn't have the video game world or an original six world where he can just be like, okay, you know what, we can punt for three years on drafts because... We can. We know we're still going to be one of the biggest shows in town, whether we're good or bad. Yeah. The stars aren't allowed to rebuild. They have an ownership group, and and and, and for, in order for that ownership group to make money, they have to make the playoffs every year. Like, you don't get to rebuild. The stars from a business model and from a popular from a um, general popularity model in the DFW market. You have. You, you can't ever rebuild. We saw what happened. The team almost went to bankruptcy at that when that happened, and things like that. So. It's. Uh, I think those contexts are important as we go into the deadline because Dallas may do nothing. If they do nothing, this team still has a chance to win the whole thing. I know it's not the best chance in the world, but it's still a chance. And if they do nothing, and if they do something great, but also, you don't. Like, honestly, unless it's a certain trade, there's a lot of there's going to be more questions than answers for a lot of some of the other things I hear people will throw out there on Twitter.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I was just listing, so I didn't miss anybody, and I might miss somebody, yeah. but, I mean, you look at the future, and I think we need to take a step back. Yes, it's an immediacy for Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan um, or Joe Pavelski, but listen to these names and how young they are. Hints, Robertson, Ottinger, DeLandria, Hachkinen, Lundquist, Johnston. Add to that, um, you know, the guys that are coming up. I mean, that is a lot of young talent on one squad. And that's what gets me excited because, you know, I mean, the the Bruins can't wait. They have to go. And I think it also sent a message yesterday that although the Bruins could set, you know, records as far as regular season, I think in the back of their mind, you know, like I had a Bruins fan contact me on Twitter and replied and said, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, you don't have to pick up pieces, save for the, it was really nice, save for the future because the Bruins are going to win the cup. And I said, clearly they're the cup favorites based on the regular season, but I don't think it's going to be an easy time getting through Carolina, Tampa and Toronto. Now those three might cancel themselves out before they hit Boston. However, I mean, I could see any of those three taking down the Bruins in a series. Um, The Bruins clearly will be the favorite, but I think that trade was made yesterday to, you know, further enhance. Like, you know, this isn't a sure thing, so to speak. So, um, yeah, the,
0: yeah, I feel like the Bruins trade yesterday was them trying to get front, get in front of adversity they haven't faced yet. Honestly, like I look at the, you add, uh, you add a couple guys who add a little bit of the the greasiness, a little bit of that. That that's the team that, like, not that the team wasn't tough, but right, like add a couple of those things yeah. where. You get ahead of have a team that really hasn't faced adversity yet, you get ahead of it a little bit. Um, and from a Texas perspective, too, and this is something that Jim Mill and I spoke about, but it's also true, the stars are in a spot where you don't need to make a move for the sake of making a move when it's been shown, it's been proven the Freddie Karlstroms, the Freddie Olafsons, the the, the the Jacob Pedersons, all of those guys have come up and played well. Like yeah. you don't need to spend. The fact that you've got a cachet of league minimum level players that are coming in and fitting in and stepping in well, and you have a Texas team down there that's in first place in, in its in its division, that's very good. You don't need to. Um, you don't need to over. You don't need to spend to get the fourth line or you don't because you have that already. You you have this and you have that. And it's it's why I think you come to the spot of like, okay, if you're gonna you either swing big for the long-term build, or you kind of like, okay, we have things moving in the right direction. Honestly, Gavin, like you look at it, really the only thing missing from the star's long-term plan, when you when you look at kind of the long-term four or five-year plan, and is the only question really becomes is do, will you have a goalie that establishes and then and Jake's obviously young and Jake will be the number one guy, but in today's NHL, yeah, you need you need the one B, right? Like yeah. right now, like right now, if 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 Jake was if if, if if some if Scott Wedgwood is as he's been a good backup, but we've talked about it, it's not like he's someone who all right. of a sudden, like there's other NHL contending teams where you look at it, and you're like, like we just talked about Boston. Yeah. Obviously, Bark has been tremendous, but I'm not upset if Jeremy Swayman is starting the playoff game. And right. Like, and so, like, when you look at Dallas's long-term prognosis and how things set up, both contract-wise and things like that, really the only thing missing right now is a 1B that's going to step up and challenge option. Like, you have a team that's built to contend for four or five years, even if you don't add anything, even just from coming from within. And that's a great spot to be in. Yeah. And... It sets up well, too, with when contracts come off the books. When Jamie Benn's contract comes off the book, when Ryan Souter's contract comes off the books, that's when other things will come up. When, when we, I know he gets kicked around a lot on this, but when Radic Fox's contract comes sure, off the books. Sure, sure.
1: So let me, let me ask you this, yeah, yeah. Um, because I think that was a great lead-in. So Matt Murray was yeah. called up recently. He's 25 yeah. years old, had a really good career at UMass and Hockey East, so played yeah. at an elite college level. And for the Texas Stars, playing really well, 27 games played. Goals against just over 2.4, 9.05 save percentage. I mean, isn't that kind of a prospect as a backup goalie or are they kind of thinking um, like, uh, you know, he might be more of a journeyman. He, he's kind of,
0: it's
1: word, like, because I know he what I know he yeah. had a good college career, but it wasn't like he was yeah. one of those guys that was gonna, you know, get plucked off the market quick. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I look at Matt Maria he's, he's 25 he's i mean because he's older like he's 25 and so it's funny like people think like oh he's he's older than jake ottinger right <laughs> yeah <laughs> so like, like like he's older than jake ottinger um and
1: but I mean, doesn't. it's it's so. I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's so yeah. fascinating because you look at you look at his yeah. like UMass career. I'm looking at these stats, and then I'm looking at Texas, and I'm yeah. I'm just like, okay, why isn't he a prospect? That's so fascinating because every level yeah. he's done pretty well.
0: He's been good, and, and I, I think kind of the thing with, with 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 Murray and when you look at his game is, I, I think he gives me a uh, so. The the great red flag, not red flag, but the great like warning sign on goalie prospects is Colton Point. Colton Point was obviously yes. in the stars organization. Yeah. Was a finalist for the Hobie Baker, yeah. one of the top ten finalists for the Hobie Baker as a goalie, came out and just completely just just fell apart. And so there's there's always like there's a bit of the goalies are voodoo thing, which is true. And and, and I think Murray was to not take anything away. You got you can only stop the pucks that are shot at you. But he played in a system in UMass that that put him in a good spot to succeed. Yep. And there's he's kind of one of the he's kind of one of those guys that I personally get to read on and talk to some other people about him in general, where he feels more and more like that, like he feels like a Scott Wedgwood. And it's not and it's nothing against a Scott Wedgwood, it's nothing against that guy, but it's something where it's like, that guy is never. It's, it's always going to be kind of the, he's the NHL replacement level, if that makes sense. Where it's it's the guy who is he's he'll be competent. He could be in a, in a really good organization. He's probably your number three. Is probably the long term prognostic. But in general, he is. It's it's. He had and he did have a really good, like, finish down the stretch with Texas yeah. last year. Um, but in general, it's it's something where it's like it's it's hard to put more into his play um, right now for just okay. from a from a combination of a sample. Texas is obviously a loaded team too, um, and it's it, so that that doesn't help as well. Um, I still like I have. Remy Poirier, I think, has been very good. Actually, he's been. I really like that. Um, I want to pull up Remy's stats right here from Idaho because he's been. He's, he's been called up. He's played a couple games in Texas, and Remy's been. Yeah, you know, when Remy's when Remy's played with Texas, I think he's actually been the best Texas goalie. You know, it's only three games with Texas, but nine twenty save percentage, two two six goals against average. That's impressive. I really, I really like that they've let him. Um, be the guy in Idaho, like like I actually think that's a big thing where it's like, like sometimes people like overreact to a, a prospect being in the ECHL. When it comes to a goalie, if it means getting the minutes, let him let him play there. I think I'm good with that. Um, I think Poirier may be he was a, he's a, he was like a flyer pick. I mean, sixth round sixth round pick. He took a flyer on him in 2020. I think he's a guy who you could look at as hopefully he develops to that, but. I, I really, long term, I want a goalie to develop and push Ottinger. Yeah, I get you know, it. And Jake is always going to push himself. That's, that's part of his personality. That's part of his mentality. But I, I want a goalie who pushes Jake Ottinger when he does have the... Like, right now, so... and Not that you can blame Jake at all, but the Blackhawks game the other day, right? Like, he lets up you you he lets up three goals and, and all of a sudden they, the team comes the stars let up three goals and, and in a span of ten minutes and everything like that. If you if Matt Murray's not the backup in that situation, I wonder if another goalie is playing the third. Just just to be just to be just from a perspective it's of a fair Point of, of someone to come in and it's not even out in your fault. I mean it was a pretty bad defensive breakdown, yeah. You didn't have another guy who's competent that would come in, not, not competent, but wouldn't, didn't have someone the coaches deemed as competent to come in and be like, okay, we're going to light a fire under everyone's asses here. Like, that was something where it's, like, I, I it's, and the great thing about all this, Gavin, as we're talking, is we're talking about a luxury area right now. Like, we're talking about a space where this is where, if a space where I'm building a dream spot to build over the next four or five years, it's, it's a competent 1B who's pushing the gandra
1: uh-huh. The fact
0: of having that conversation, and it's not about, well, we need to find this defenseman and this forward and this and everything. Like, that's a good thing. So I think I think we need to pause real quick and remind everyone, the Stars prospect pool's in a great spot, and Sean just went too far down a tangent. So, <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, let, let me ask you this, then. When, yeah. when we talk about prospects, yes. I think overall, while we've seen some Solid yeah. play this year. You and I think he should be in there all the time, but Nils Lundqvist. And yeah. you gave up a first-round pick for him. You know, football, you say, uh, you know, we can reevaluate in two to three years. What would be the hockey equivalent, Sean, in your opinion, that, you know, Nils Lundqvist, where we determine uh, the value if it was worth giving up a first?
0: Um, I would say because he's 20, 22 right now, I think. Was season 22? I think he's 22 years old. By 25? Um, yeah, I, I would argue. I would argue at the end of next season would be the first checkpoint when you go into the end of because he'll be, uh, he's under his current year with the Rangers right now. Then he's not with the Rangers for the Ranger this season, obviously, and then next season, and then he'll go into that RFA spot. And it'll be once he once you start hitting those rfa contracts i think that's when you start to assess have we made the right choice here and um and and uh, and for now i i think you can't say they haven't i think it's still definitely it's way too early to judge on it and i also think it's too and i think it's it's okay to it's okay for lundquist to Like he should play more, but it's also not the end of the world when he's out of the lineup. I don't think he should ever sit for more than a game, but but like the fact of the matter is, I think there's still definitely time. And I would, uh, yeah. To me, the big thing will be what happens. What are we looking at after next season? Because he should come into next season as a 82 game a year player, assuming he's healthy. He should be someone who has the coach's trust. He should have all of that. How does he really look in year two? And where does it look from there? And that's when I think you start to really assess. Um, and, and and frankly, it moves up the timeline for some of it. Like he bringing in like this moved up the timeline for some of things. Like one of the most interesting things about Thomas Harley. And I was talking to somebody, I was talking to somebody from the STARS organization about this the other day, who they, they brought up to me that. Thomas Harley, they expected to play in the NHL this season. Not from not and it's not from a perspective of like they expected him to win a job in camp. The Stars never expected to be this healthy. Just like like the one of the things that the Stars have had yeah. they've been such a healthy team that there's never really been like um there was never really the spot where Thomas Harley had to get called up to play and everything like that. So the Stars kind of expected to learn more about Thomas Harley because of an injury call at some point. And it just never happened. And I think with what Harley's doing in the AHL right now, I think he's on the right track. I think he's moving in the right direction. Um, he's not a Triffin but I still think he's moving in the right direction. Yeah. And uh, it's I would be well, – should he should he be in over any of the current Stars defenders? Probably not, but if there was an injury – I don't think if there's an injury, it's, he's coming into play, and I'd be I definitely be interested
1: to see what happens. So yeah, you're listening to Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan, joined by my teammate Sean Shapiro, Shap Shots, EP Ringside. Just to just to recap this week of and why you should listen to Spits and Suds. So we had the whole um, situation with Tom Gallardi that you know we kind of brought to light. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, kind of it's becoming uh, interesting in town. Uh, it's being chatted about. Let's just say that. Um, so the guys on the fan ran with it as well. So um, then Craig Ludwig yesterday talked about the art of the two on one and how to play it defensively. And I thought his deep dive is both a, a coach now as far as in the junior levels um, to when he played professional, he broke down every two-on-one and what the Stars did wrong, and I thought that was so fascinating. It was such a, a great learning curve. And then today uh, you had a chance to sit down with Jim Nill and give us the latest on that. So that's what I love about Spits and Suds is each podcast we're really deep diving into uh, Stars hockey. I did want to get into an angle that no one's really talked about, is Jim Nill at 64 years old. Here's where I'm going to give him a lot of credit. We all know that Jim Nill has already gone on record as saying, you know, he's not going to do it for much longer. Um, The organization has said they're going to pick uh, the successor. I think sometimes we have to take a step back and understand that usually people, when they only have a few years left, go all in as far as like, you know, I, I don't have much time left. I wanna, I wanna hoist the cup, and sometimes could mortgage the future for the championship now. So I did want to take a step back and say, like, kudos to Jim Neal for thinking of a team's future that he probably won't be a part of, you know, in the in the upcoming years. Yeah, no,
0: that, that's a very good point because Jim will not be. He's got a year and a half left on his contracts with Dallas. Um, if I'm playing, like. I feel like at some point the the Jim Nill job, I, I don't think it's a pure retirement. I think it's kind of one of those, like we saw what George McPhee did in Vegas yep. where he became the president of hockey operations Kelly McCrimmon was promoted to GM. I think that's the next step. I think Jim Nill kind of becomes a little bit more of, um, and I don't know if it's at the end of this contract or to sign another year for a GM deal or whatever, but I think I think Jim kind of steps in, soon eventually becomes the Stars' president of hockey operations. And um, it would be very interesting to see where um, the Stars' next GM comes from. So I've always wondered, one of the the people, I've always wondered why his name doesn't come up more. And part of it is because, um, part of the reason his name doesn't come up more is because he doesn't really play the media game. And that's something that I think people, um, some people need to realize too. A lot of times when um, there's a name that comes up as a, in the coaching cycle or the GM cycle. A lot of it sometimes comes from an element. Not all of it. Some of it's certainly deserved, but a lot of it can come from some people are better at playing the media game and planting seeds. And so someone who does not play the media game is Texas Stars, is the Stars' assistant GM, Scott White, who has been who though has built a program in Texas as the GM down there where they've gone to the Public Cup Final 2010, they won the whole thing in 2014. They went there in 2018, and using the cycle of four years, and they're in first place right now. So yeah. every he's he's got, and he's been the GM down there, and so I don't know if it comes from inside. I think I think it really depends on uh, obviously how this season, next season go, whether Tom Gillardi would want to stay internal or not. I think that's kind of that would kind of be the big the big question. But Jim Nill is knows the end is closer than it is is, is, is is near is nearer than far as far as is the end of his management career he's uh he he's someone who i know he's got family he, he is he and his wife becky and obviously if you don't know becky's story that's a incredible amazing story still with us and and everything like that and they have grandchildren who i know they have. Uh, in this off season they live back in the in Michigan where they have uh, where a lot of their grandchildren they spend a lot of they don't live there, but they spend a lot of the time back in the off season back in Michigan where their grandchildren are. I know Jim's told me that's probably where he'll retire to someday just to be close to his grandkids and everything like that. And so Jim is not Jim is not going to the well I'm gonna try and win this cup right now because I have to win it before the end of my career. I think that's the one good thing about hiring someone who already won multiple as an assistant champ. So I think that I think that is one of the benefits where it's not like he doesn't have one. Like if it's funny, I remember during the uh, COVID zooms, right? We would have interviews in Jim Dill's office. Jim Dill's office has four uh more mini Stanley Cups in the background and a bunch of other things from all the things, the hardware that he won as an assistant GM. So it's not like his career legacy will be defined on whether the Stars win yeah. or not. And I think that's really important. I think Stars fans need to be kind of thankful for that because he's not going to go all in for one year and potentially blow it all up, which is something that easily, someone easily could have done and what some people have tried to do in other organizations, so it's a great point by you, Anil. Um I, I'm really curious. Though. it's something where we can have that conversation. We will someday have that conversation. It would be very interesting to see where they go next, because I do think there's a great in-house candidate, in Scott White. Uh, so obviously, there's others, and there's there's other there's others as well. So it's a uh, it's it's a very interesting place for the stars to be, because uh, you have one person who we know kind of what the runaway looks like.
1: You know, it, it, kind of another interesting that I, I don't think a lot of people are paying attention to, great hockey year for the Gallardi family. Um, the Camloops Blazers are on fire in the, in juniors, and they'll, so they'll have a good gate in playoffs. Texas Stars are heading to the playoffs, as we know, and the Dallas Stars um you know we know what they're doing so all three levels and, of gillardy are doing well
0: well and, and the other thing too i was talking to someone the other day i was talking to uh good uh, if, if you wanted a source for covering the texas stars on a daily basis check out 100 degree hockey yep. a good friend of mine steven reserve runs that site down there and uh, Stephen and i were talking the other day and uh just on top of that the idaho steelheads are just rolling in the echl right now and the um and it's a space where normally the Stars may have this spot where, like, you get to kind of, like, I call it prospect season, where in the, like, in the spring where you have the OHL season ends, the season in the Q ends, and college season ends, and you get these prospects show up, and they're starting there for playoff runs. The Stars, I don't know, I, I don't have the research in front of me to know, but the Stars have a legitimate, we talked about Dallas, they have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. They do. That's a fact. The Texas Stars have a chance to win the Calder Cup. Idaho Steelheads are a favorite to are, are probably one of the favorites to win the Kelly Cup. You have like a uh, if you have a like a Kairu comes out, out of his OHL season. Dallas has the opportunity where in theory, like obviously you'd like for him to play with the AHL team coming out of junior, but if there's not a spot for him, he can go to the ECHL and he can play a like, deep playoff yeah. front with the Idaho Steelheads. Like it is a spot where you talk about launching pads and long term things and everything like that. It's a really good
1: time for the stars. That's it, it that's just, that's great. Yeah, I mean, we great. think we all remember a young Jamie Ben being sent back down, yeah. uh, for the Texas Stars. You mentioned earlier in an earlier podcast uh, about Al Montoya and the job he's doing with the Texas Stars mm-hmm. as far as community involvement. Huge stick tap to the Stars organization. Um, not trying to cheerlead, but at yeah, the yeah, same yeah. time, I mean, kudos, <laughs> kudos to yeah. them. I mean, they, you know, putting a putting a preseason game next year uh, in Cedar Park. Uh, I just think that's brilliant, and I think it's really, really cool that the community of Texas, which is um, in the Cedar Park Austin area, which has supported an AHL franchise, now gets to see like a
0: Jason Robertson,
1: um, and I'm sure they'll do some pretty cool community activities as well.
0: I would love to see a—one just thing I like that Seattle Kraken did that I would love to see uh, the Stars do— um, especially while there's, especially since we know there's hockey fans in these markets, but they unfortunately have lost the HL teams. The Kraken did. They call it like a three-ring rush, right? Where they did a, the preseason game. They went in Everett. They did one at the I think Tacoma. I can't remember. But they basically did three preseason games in three junior buildings around Washington. I would love to see the Stars do something like that, where go to and. An, Unfortunately, San Antonio doesn't have the infrastructure anymore because they sold off all the stuff. Oh, it would have been like like it would So it's unfortunately that you probably can't include San Antonio on it. Uh, like, probably Houston, I bet. Still, yeah, but like, well, Houston still has infrastructure. Yeah, here. like I would. I think it would be great just from a purely obviously logistics would have to be hammered out, but I would love to see hey play a preseason game in San Antonio, Houston, Austin, just kind of get get something for those hockey markets there and really lean into that one state, one team thing. Like yeah. like, like I mean they played a preseason game, I mean, it was part of hockey craft hockeyville USA and everything like that. And they played the preseason game this past year in El Paso. They even like that's great. Just those things where you can kind of give people the like I, I, I think sometimes we forget because I I admit I'm one of these people. I get sometimes so you sometimes get jaded because you're around pro hockey and you're around the top level all the time, and so you get kind of a little bit jaded by it. But like I just remember seeing because like I was doing some reporting last week on how the um, the Bruins and the Kings will will probably go play a preseason game in Australia next year, and I was talking to uh, and messaging with a couple Australian hockey fans on, on on Twitter DMs and like just to hear the excitement. Of like just get to see a preseason. Uh-huh. Like I, I think, I think we sometimes get jaded when it's right there. Just to realize like what it means when it does come there. And for for a kid who's seen this sport on TV but never seen it in person to be like, oh my God, this is this is the NHL. Like yeah. I, I I think there's opportunities that I would love to see the stars do. To kind of take a page out of what Seattle did with the three rink rush and take it around the take it around the state a little bit more and and, and it's not difficult to do.
1: Just, yeah, even yeah, even some yeah. training camp practices yeah. if they have the facilities in Fort Worth um, mm-hmm. would be wonderful. Yeah. You know, yeah. just yeah. to show some uh, Tarrant yeah. County love. Well, my yeah. friends, uh, you know, not to put three bell alarms, although the alarmist didn't tells me. This is kind of surprising because, you know, yeah, the stars obviously have the strength of schedule, but then I look at it and it's only six points from being out of the playoff race right now. That's scary. What do you think about it? Uh, Colorado yeah. is, I mean, I know, I know I, it's the alarmist in me, my friend, I have yeah. to say it for, for stars nation. You know, I do not want to, I do not want to mm-hmm. fall. I mean, we'll see. Um,
0: I, and and, I, and I, I get that. Uh, it's, it's six points from being out. But the other thing, too, and I uh, I know everyone talks about the how good the East is. in the East, it is a very, East to East, the top six are incredible. But um, it is something that we sometimes miss. And I, I think people miss this. Like, the two wild cards in the East would not make it in the West right now. Yeah. And so it is. it is like it's it, it's it, it's very it's very tight. And the other thing the stars have that if you wanted to get like a little bit uh, if you're looking for comfort or whatever you want to call it, at the end of the day, all the the fact that they don't win it overtime. Obviously, if they just won after overtime, yeah, they're all the way up there. But if you want, you want the silver lining. Yeah, regulation wins is the tiebreaker. So, yeah, you know, so regulation wins is one of the tiebreakers, and you have, uh, and you also have a. When it comes to kind of the, the the sector of games played and everything like that, they're kind of on the same pace. Like I mean, you say like six points out, like Calgary's played more games. You've got you you have. There, there's definitely the West is wide open. There's no disputing that. Uh, my my favorite part of the Western race that's been kind of funny is to see teams doing their active part to get players at like to get players out of the West. So like the fact the Minnesota Wild went out of their way to make yeah. it easier for the uh, for to to get Ryan O'Reilly to Toronto. Like they're like we can't afford him, but we're gonna we're gonna ship you out of the conference. Yeah, like, who was the uh, and the Bruins traded. Who was the third team partner in the Bruins? Minnesota.
1: The
0: yeah, but in Minnesota again. Yes, Minnesota is like okay. We're gonna. We want to make sure Demetrio. We want to make sure those assets stay in the East. We'll we'll pay to. And so yeah, the fact like it's the, the the Western race where it's like okay, everyone knows that it's it's wide open, but not. And, but that's that's also the other reason when I talk about chicken, like okay, you know what? You bring a guy in like that can be a big. That can be a big piece. That can be a big buzz. Um, Patrick Kane is going to go east, it Looks like it looks like he's going to go to the Rangers. Yeah, um, it looks like that's another big piece going over there. Um, and it's it's going to be. I mean, the playoffs this year are going to be wild to see because it's going to be like wild. We're, it's going we're gonna have. You're going to have an Eastern Conference race where you're going to be, it's going to be just like the superlatives about each team are just going to be off the charts. It'll be like, well, here's the Boston Bruins that have a historical 135 point season versus the Carolina Hurricanes, who have the sixth best record in NHL history. Like you're going to, you could see those two teams in the Eastern Conference final, and it's going to be a war. Yeah. And someone's going to come out of the West a little bit less
1: scathed. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah, you're absolutely right. So tomorrow night is a fascinating test. Um, Vegas six, one and three in their last 10 and Vegas for a couple of reasons um, has to get on their horse as well. Edmonton is on fire right now. So, um, you know, that it's going to be an interesting test for the stars tomorrow night. Hopefully they can get it back together. So when we talk on uh, Monday, we can talk about a big win in Vegas. But uh, thanks for the deep dive on Jim Nill. Uh, Appreciate it. Thanks for a great week. And a lot of insights this week on uh, Spits and Suds, my friend. So have a good weekend. And uh, for those of you listening, thanks for all your support. Thanks for your retweets, your downloads, your likes. Let's keep it up. Let's keep it going so that we can say that we have some great uh, content here in DFW. My
0: friend, have a good weekend. You too. Looking forward to it. It'll be uh, a good one. It's always good to see two divisional leaders meet and yeah. kind of down the stretch. So it'll be fun tomorrow night.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I expect a Saturday night game in Vegas. There'll be some good Dallas fans there too. Probably flew out for the weekend. So that'll be a lot of fun. So thanks for listening to Spits and Suds, everybody. Have a great weekend.